everyone, and welcome to the very first edition of the Terrence McCauley Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence McCauley. As with any new podcast that comes along, I'm sure you're wondering why I'm doing one at all. It's a good question. This is a podcast that's meant for aspiring writers, established writers, and those who are simply curious about writing in general. My goal is to talk about my perspective on the craft so that you can get a better sense of what it takes to become a writer from my perspective. There's no one-size-fits-all philosophy about writing. Anybody who tells you that, in my opinion, is just flat-out wrong. You have to do it your way, but there are certain rules you can follow that can make your way a little bit easier and help you achieve the level of success you desire. Now, I'm not going to have any lesson plans or activities as part of this podcast. There won't be any story prompts or book lists. It's just one scribbler talking about his particular journey and his craft. But who am I to give any advice on this in the first place? Chances are you probably haven't even heard of me. Well, as Mick Jagger once said, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm an award-winning writer, born and raised in the Bronx, New York, with 23 novels to my credit. My work spans three different genres, thrillers, crime noir, and westerns. I'm pretty sure you just wrinkled your nose about the westerns, especially since I'm a guy from the Bronx with an accent sharp enough to cut glass. Well, don't dismiss them or me out of hand just yet. Give me a chance to explain myself. I'm not talking about writing your run-of-the-mill cowboys and Indian stories here. There's a place for those kinds of books, and they're just not the kinds of books I choose to write. I'll explain how in a future episode. But in my career, I've written novels, novellas, and short stories. So if you're looking to talk about fiction writing, I've probably written it at one time or another. I plan on highlighting one novel I've written per episode and talk about where I was in my career when I wrote it, what I learned from writing it, and how my talent evolved over the course of a particular series. I promise that these episodes will not devolve into 20-minute diatribes where I gas on endlessly about things like the craft or wax poetically about how I attempted to transcend the genre. I hate that phrase almost as much as I hate air quotes. My goal in all of this is going to be to try to use my experience as an example for writers at any stage of their career about what they should do, what they should avoid, and how they can grow in their craft. Why is any of this important? Well, in my experience, people really don't have a clear idea of what it takes to become a writer until they've actually tried to do it. We've all known people who say writing is easy, haven't we? Those people at barbecues who stand around and say they could do it if they just had the time. There's a world of difference between being able to write a book and actually sitting down to do it. I'm not judging anyone who decides against writing a book, by the way. It's not for everyone. It's an incredibly daunting task that requires more than just talent or tenacity or desire. It also takes a certain amount of courage. I don't think it's the same kind of courage that it takes for a police officer or a firefighter or a soldier to do their job, but it's a courage of a different sort. Just think about it for a second. 
It's terrifying to take the one thing that makes us different from every other form of life on our planet, which is our creativity, and share it in a written context for anyone to see. And people are going to see that story that we've put on display. They're also going to critique the hell out of it, believe me. Every awkward phrase or character arc or detail will be scrutinized by the reader. The main thrust of your love story set in World War I will be lost among the howls of criticism over the historical accuracies you overlooked in your zeal to just tell a good tale. The audience will argue with you about what they thought the main characters should look like, and they'll curse you for killing off one of their favorite characters. Their criticism might be more general than that. They simply might not have liked the book or how you chose to write it. It's being able to handle that kind of criticism that was the first lesson I learned about writing. A writer must have the courage to take it and act on it. They have to develop a thick skin real fast if they hope to get past the first draft, much less dare submit their work to be published. Public rejection, for example, in a review on Amazon or in Publishers Weekly is bad enough. But being rejected by an editor is something else entirely. I've received my share of both. And with this podcast, I hope to be able to pass on some of what I learned to help you to not only handle the rough times that come your way, but to use them to your advantage. One of the essential lessons a writer must learn is what criticism they should take to heart and what criticism they should ignore. It's not always easy to know the difference. For example, false praise may very well be the most dangerous praise there is, in my opinion. Many a horrible writer has been made even worse by well-meaning friends and family who hid the truth about a writer's lack of talent. They're not being mean. In their own way, they're trying to be supportive. And I'm not talking about... A bad first draft here. We've all written those. I know I sure have, and I know I'm still doing it. I'm talking about the writer who never improves no matter how many drafts they write or how many workshops they take. Writers whose friends and family rave about their ability without giving them honest feedback. Sure, praise always makes a writer feel better and has kept many a spouse from sleeping on the couch that night. But empty praise ultimately harms the writer's growth as an artist. And just as anyone who has ever visited a karaoke bar can attest to, not everyone can sing just because they think they can or want to. Writing's the same thing. Nothing will stunt a writer's growth worse than false praise. And that's because failing is an invaluable part to a writer as it is inevitable to their career especially when you're just starting out. Any artist must know their own weaknesses so they can strengthen them, not simply whistle past them in the dark and hope nobody notices. It's through failure that a writer can root out cliches, strengthen lazy plot points, and create meaningful characters. And those writers who refuse to listen? Well, they're usually doomed to spend the rest of their careers going to writers' events and wondering why their work hasn't been published. Now, I don't mean that all critiques are equal. I know that I've been fortunate enough to have received praise from some pretty impressive sources that showed me I was doing something right. But I've also received negative feedback from some of the best in the business. And while that was hard to hear at the time, 
It ultimately taught me how to make myself a better writer. The most sinister criticism in a new writer's career, in my opinion, is empty criticism, which is almost always negative. It comes from people who have only read a few lines of your work, judged it harshly, and cast it aside without even bothering to finish it. Negative feedback from a respected source like an editor at a large publishing house might crush a writer's will to go on, but the writer needs to look at it closely to make sure it's an accurate repudiation of their work. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me give you an example that I had from early on in my career. My first novel was called Prohibition. It was a gangster tale set in 1930s New York where a ruthless hitman named Quinn must use his brains instead of his brawn to find out who was trying to overthrow the crime boss he serves. The opening chapter shows Quinn stalking a man through the cold, empty streets of Manhattan at night. And here's a spoiler alert. Quinn the hitman kills his prey at the end of the first chapter. Now, I submitted it to a publisher who specializes in these kinds of tales. I figured he would like it and prayed he would accept it. I wasn't expecting what happened next. He emailed me to tell me that the book simply didn't live up to the humor that was promised in the first chapter. It certainly wasn't a fit for his publishing house. Now, I'll admit it. Years later, I can come clean and tell you that I was devastated when I got that email. In fact, I was so flattened by the rejection that I couldn't get out of bed for a couple of days. Think about it from my perspective at the time. A then pillar of the publishing community had just told me that the story I had worked on for years was crap. But after a couple of days of devastation, I remembered something my mentor, Wesley Gibson, told me about the importance of relevant criticism. That's when I realized that the critique was garbage. I mean, Quinn kills a guy in cold blood at the end of chapter one. That's not exactly a slapstick moment, at least not in the way I wrote it. And chapter two certainly doesn't start off as a Bing Crosby, Bob Hope movie either. So after I realized that the critique was as weak as it was inaccurate, I was able to pick myself up, dust myself off, and resume writing. Ten years and 23 books later, I'm still in the game. But all of this begs the question, why even bother writing in the first place? If you have to go through all this turmoil, all this mishigas about publishers and critics and reviews and disappointment, much less getting anybody to pay attention to all of your hard work, why bother with any of it? Life is tough enough without putting yourself through all of that hell, isn't it? Well, different writers will have different answers for that question. For me, it's because I'm a storyteller at heart. The story will keep rattling around in my brain until I finally sit down at a keyboard and take the time to write it. Sometimes it becomes a full novel. Sometimes it's barely enough for a short story. But it's the expression of the idea that counts and keeps me going. But that's just my experience. Other writers may answer that question in a completely different way, and their answer will be just as valid as mine. There are as many different reasons to write as there are ways to write. The way I write might be different from the way Brett Cogburn writes or Mark Cameron or the way Sean Crosby does it. The method you use doesn't matter as long as it works for you. For example, 
I don't outline my novels before I write them. Lots of great writers I'm privileged to know can't work without an outline. Some have rituals they like to follow when they work. Some can write anywhere as long as they have a way to record their thoughts on paper or on their iPad. All of them work. All of them are perfectly valid. Just please keep one thing in mind. There is no magic theory or hack that will help you write a book. I don't care when anybody tells you that's just the case. It's the nature of the beast. It's the way the creative process works. You have to put in the work. Some of the best advice I've ever heard about writing comes from author Neil Gaiman, who said that you have to sit down at the keyboard and put one word after another until it's done. It's that easy and that hard. If you want to learn how to write a story, the best advice I can offer is to read. Read the authors who inspired you to become a writer in the first place. Then read the authors who inspired them. Read stories that are in the genre you want to write. And then read stories that are outside that genre. While some people may differ with me on this point, I also think movies count too. Don't worry about things like creative bleed in your story from other sources. If you read horror or crime fiction, for example, don't worry about Stephen King or James Elroy devices appearing in your work. They're bestsellers, so you should be so lucky. Their example will only help you frame your talent and give you possible inspiration, which is invaluable at any point in any writer's career. And while I hope you'll be able to learn something in each episode of my podcasts, the one thing I can promise you is that I will not be hitting you up for anything at the end of this. I don't have a book on writing to sell, and I'm not planning on writing one anytime soon. That much I can promise you. Earlier I said I plan to dwell on one novel per episode to talk about where my head was at when I wrote it where it was when I finished it, and how it influenced the next step in my career. I also said that I'd be breaking up these podcasts into three separate groups based on the genres I've written. The first will be the westerns I've done, then my crime noir novels, and finally my thrillers. Like I said before, I know some of you just rolled your eyes about the westerns. But just indulge me for at least one episode, and I promise you'll see that my books are not Gunsmoke episodes. That's not a knock on Gunsmoke, by the way. It was a great series, but it was written in a different era for a different medium. Instead, my work features believable characters you might not expect to find in your typical Western. Just read some of the reviews I've gotten on Where the Bullets Fly on Amazon and Goodreads. I write complex stories about conflicted characters who don't always do the right things. I don't believe in characters who wear white hats or black hats, but hats that are closer to gray. I find that distinction makes for a more interesting story, and I'm fortunate enough that my audience seems to agree with me. Starting off this podcast journey with the Western genre will also help me answer a lot of questions I've received from other writers lately about whether or not they should try their hand at writing a Western. My answer to them is always the same. 
no matter what genre you're writing in, make sure you do your research first. Because especially about the Old West, a lot of what you think you know is flat out wrong. How wrong? Well, I'm afraid you're going to have to join me for the next podcast to find that out. It's also important for you to know that I don't have any intention of doing all of the talking each episode. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your feedback. I want to hear your questions. I want to hear your suggestions. So if you'd like to appear as a guest on future podcasts, or if you have a question or a comment, I want you to feel free to email me at any time at Terrence, T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E, at T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E, Macaulay, M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y dot com. You can also visit my website, TerrenceMacaulay.com. Not going to spell it out again. Or you can check out my author page on Amazon to learn more about my work. You can also find me on all the usual social media sites. If you send me a question or a comment, I promise I'll be more than happy to read it here on the air. Just try to keep the cussing to a minimum, please. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope that you'll join me next time right here on the Terrence McCauley Podcast. Be well, everybody. (laughs) 